What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Two Worlds Podcast. I'm your host, Jake, and with me, as always, is the topo to my Aquaman. It's Casey. What's up, buddy? Not much, man. What's up with you? And I have to ask, is topo like Aquaman's seahorse? Uh, he's the octopus. Oh, okay. Like well, that makes it so much the old, better. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you get eight <laughs> arms. <laughs> so there you go. And he's, he's cute, and you're cute, so well, there you go. Well, if you put it that way, thanks, man. <laughs> All righty, let's hop into what I think might be our biggest news week ever. Would you agree with that? No. I only have, like, oh, one thing. when I say the biggest, I meant the smallest. I always get those two things confused. But anyway... My first thing is that, uh, and this this isn't like super huge, but Penguin Random House has purchased uh, Simon and Schuster for over two billion dollars. Nice. We we actually were in on that bidding, but they outbid us by that one billion. Yeah, we we nearly had it for you guys, and uh, you know, what can you do? They sniped us at the last minute. Yeah, and it was all done over eBay, too, yeah. which is weird. you think it would be way more official. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> still, that's, uh, that is one giant buying another giant and kind of pulling, uh, pulling a Disney for, for you know, the, the book market. So we'll see if there are any major industry changes there. Nice. Um, so, like, I heard one thing that was kind of interesting the Patty Jenkins talked about the new Amazon movie that she's producing. Cause like she said, it's going to be connecting Wonder Woman 84 to Wonder Woman three. And that, you know, it's going to have like little things for that. And Wonder Woman won't be in it. I mean, there's not a lot to go off of, but then she also like, it was all said that she's not going to be directing it and she's going to be directing Wonder, Wonder Woman three. And then earlier this year, she stated that after Wonder Woman 3, she's done directing DC movies for a while. So we won't get her on Justice League anytime soon, which is too bad. But, you know, it is. I mean, the, that Amazon movie might be good. I'd rather it just be an HBO Go series personally, though. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'd, you know, I'll check it out no matter what. <laughs> yeah. To not to, to not have to leave would be, you know, that just as much as I didn't care for it at first, I'm just really warming up to it more and more every day. Yeah. All right. And then the second and final bit of news, um, an episode or two back, I was asking you which Marvel titles that were MIA did you think were actually being canceled? Well, the official list was out this week, so... I will list those off now. The 2020 Ironheart series is officially canceled, as well as the remainder of Amazing Spider-Man Daily Bugle, which was kind of surprising. Yeah. Um, looks like Ghost Rider will be canceled. The rest of Morbius, which is kind of strange. 
the Conan the Barbarian spinoff Dark Agnes is canceled. Uh, Scream Curse of Carnage. The Silver Surfer Black Director's Cut. Uh, the Star Wars Rise of Skywalker comic book adaptation. And then uh, the last couple issues of Valkyrie Jane Foster which that didn't really surprise me too much because at the end of number 10, it says to be continued in King and Black. So kind of saw that one coming. And then X-Men Dawn of X Saga number one, they will not be putting that out as well. So I didn't see if the others were like for sure a go. They just said that these were canceled. Yeah. So I'm hoping the any of those surprise you? Like the, anything with Spider-Man's name on it, yeah. And I'm, I'm disappointed about Ghost Rider. I didn't read it, like, or I wasn't really reading it that much, but, you know, I'm, I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> well, Casey, it was you not getting it that definitely it just made it be tip, canceled. It tipped the scale in cancellation. If, I, if they had yep. that one, that extra, <laughs> you know, three ninety nine to $5, they would have kept it going. Yep. <laughs> All right. Anywho, believe it or not, that wraps us up for the news this week. So we're going to take a little ad break, and then we'll come back and talk about the whole list of comics that we read. So we'll be right back. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Two Worlds Podcast. I'm your host, Jake, and with me, as always, is the topo to my Aquaman. It's Casey. What's up, buddy? Not much, man. What's up with you? And... I have to ask, is Topo, like, Aquaman's seahorse? Uh, he's the octopus. Oh, from, like, okay. Well, that makes it so much better. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you get eight <laughs> arms. <laughs> so there you go. And he's, he's cute, and you're cute. Well, so there you go. Well, if you put it that way, thanks, man. <laughs> All righty. Let's hop into what I think might be our biggest news week ever. Would you agree with that? No. I only have like oh, one thing. Oh, when I say the biggest, I meant the smallest. I always get those two things confused. But anyway, my first thing is that, uh, and this, this isn't like super huge, but Penguin Random House has purchased uh, Simon & Schuster for over two billion dollars nice we we actually were in on that bidding but they outbid us by that one billion yeah we we nearly had it for you guys and uh you know what can you do they sniped us at the last minute yeah and it was all done over ebay too yeah. which is weird you think it would be way more official but anyway, uh, <laughs> still, that's uh, that is one giant buying another giant and kind of pulling uh, pulling a Disney for for, you know, the the book market. So we'll see if there are any major industry changes there. Nice. Um, so, like, I heard one thing that was kind of interesting. The Patty Jenkins talked about the new Amazon movie that she's producing because like she said it's going to be connecting Wonder Woman 84 to Wonder Woman 3 and that, you know, it's going to have like little things for that and Wonder Woman won't be in it. I mean, there's not a lot to go off of, but then she also like it was all 
said that she's not going to be directing it and she's going to be directing Wonder, Wonder Woman 3 and then earlier this year she stated that after Wonder Woman 3 she's done directing DC movies for a while so we won't get her on Justice League anytime soon which is too bad but you know it is I mean the, that Amazon movie might be good I'd rather it just be an HBO Go series personally though right yeah, I mean, I'd, you know, I'll check it out no matter what. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to not to, to not have to leave would be, you know, that just, as much as I didn't care for it at first, I'm just really warming up to it more and more every day. Yeah. All right. And then the second and final bit of news, um, an episode or two back, I was asking you which Marvel titles that were MIA did you think we're actually being canceled? Well, the official list was out this week, so I will list those off now. The 2020 Ironheart series is officially canceled, as well as the remainder of Amazing Spider-Man Daily Bugle, which was kind of surprising. Yeah. Um, looks like Ghost Rider will be canceled. The rest of Morbius, which is kind of strange. The Conan the Barbarian spinoff Dark Agnes is canceled. Uh, Scream Curse of Carnage. The Silver Surfer Black Director's Cut. Uh, the Star Wars Rise of Skywalker comic book adaptation. And then... Uh, the last couple issues of Valkyrie Jane Foster, which that didn't really surprise me too much because at the end of number 10, it says to be continued in King and Black. So kind of saw that one coming. And then X-Men Dawn of X Saga number one, they will not be putting that out as well. So I didn't see if the others were like for sure a go. They just said that these were canceled. Yeah. So. I'm hoping the any of those surprise you like the anything with spider-man's name on it yeah and I'm, I'm disappointed about ghost rider i didn't read it like or i wasn't really reading it that much but you know i'm i wanted to <laughs> <laughs> well casey it was you not getting it that definitely it just made it, be tipped, it tipped the scale in cancellation if i if they had yep. that one that extra you know 3.99 to five dollars they would have kept it going yep. <laughs> all right anywho believe it or not that wraps us up for the news this week so we're gonna take a little ad break and then we'll come back and talk about the whole list of comics that we read so we'll be right back welcome back thanks for listening to the ad casey which comic books did you read this week Ooh. Um, everything. Uh, I read The Other History of the DC Universe, The Department of Truth, uh, number three, Batman Superman, number 14, The Maestro, number four, Kaiju Score, number one, Shang-Chi, number three, Justice League Dark, 28, The Flash, 766, Scumbag, number two, Nailbiter Returns, number seven, Daredevil, 24, and Chu, number five. What about you, man? I read Red Hood, 
uh, number 51. Werewolf by Night 2. Dark Knight's Death Metal, The Multiverse Who Laughs. Batman Beyond, number 49. And The Witcher, Fading Memories, number 1. Nice. I'm, I'm disappointed you stopped reading Shang-Chi. We'd have had something to talk about together. Yeah, you know, I would have honestly would have read a couple more single issues, but uh, but we had the old Mountainhead special, yeah. and I wanted to get through that first, so I'll I'll catch up on Shang Chi. Okay. Well, I'll start first because I have a little bit more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'll start with the other history of the DC universe. This is by John Ridley, Giuseppe Camoncoli. I know that's been butchered, so I apologize. Giuseppe. Giuseppe, Game and Cooley. <laughs> uh, and he did the layouts and then uh, finishes by Andrea Cucci. Cucci? I don't know. Uh, and then colors by Jose Villarubia. And so this is a black label book. It's got, you know, it's the bigger style. And, like, it's not a comic book. I mean, it's it's called a comic book, but this is like a, a picture, like a an adult picture book because there's no word bubbles. It's just like some neat art, neat designs, and it kind of goes through. So like that annoyed me from the start. And there's just so much reading with this. Like I had this saved for last, and I had read through my whole pile, and then I get to this, and it's just like a like a actual book, and I'm like, this isn't what I signed up for. But so yeah, I was reading, it and it's it's these different aspects of the DC universe through the eyes of black lightning. And it's like the way he writes black lightning. I'm not very well, like I like the character, but not well versed on early black lightning. So he has black lightning be like a kid that kind of grew up just angry, like a black kid in a bad neighborhood. That's just has a lot of this pent up anger. And so like these different things are happening throughout and like he you know discovers he has these powers he decides to be a superhero and then like superman comes to talk to him and like this is one of the things that annoyed me it's like i'm reading it and i kind of go john really doesn't get the you know doesn't get superman superman wouldn't act like this you know that type of thing and then it's also like this is through the like i kind of realized that when i was reading other people's opinions on it this was through the perspective of black lightning so this is how he would have perceived Superman acting. So like, it makes more sense. And that's one of the reasons why I guess like no word, like as I'm talking about no word bubbles work, cause you don't really see what Superman says. You see what, how this one person views Superman and you know, it's like his perspective versus, you know, however, but really like, it's just, I don't know. It, it's a neat, neat idea. It's really interesting idea, but it just kind of went on way too long. That's, that's like the main downfall of this. But I mean, I'd still say people should read it. I mean, it's not the, like these other books that I read, I liked a lot more, but this is still pretty solid and the art's pretty neat and the colors in it are great. And they do a really good job of just capturing, you know, capturing like the old school style art. And yeah, I mean, it's, like I said, pretty good. Uh, I'd give it seven out of ten okay you want me to read another do another one or because i don't know our number difference between the two of us 
Oh, I've got I've got five, so All right, yeah, then I'll however you want to do it. I'll do another one and then I'll count my books and then we'll divide that way. <laughs> okay. So next up was uh, the Department of Truth issue three, and this is by Tynan and Simmons. And this is like this was a really good issue. It kind of dealt with the conspiracy theories that people have about school shootings and how they're all false flags and all of that. And it, you know, it's just dealing with that stuff, which was pretty wild. It you know, like this is one of those conspiracy theories that's like been around since I've been alive. So it's kind of neat seeing that in this comic. And I'm getting more used to the art. So I'm liking that more. And we're kind of getting more, you know, like we don't really know what's going on with the black hat people, but we're getting more of that from the story. This book is really neat, really interesting. If you're into conspiracy theory stuff, I don't know really how you would react if you're like, I hate conspiracy theories. It might not be for you, <laughs> but as someone that's like grown up loving that stuff, and I really like this book. Um, this would probably be an eight for me. Like this, this week is probably going to be like the best week for comics for me. Like you're not going to hear me say much negative stuff. Like that first book was probably going to be the most negative you're going to hear. So, yeah, I'll let you let you talk for a bit while I add up how many how many comics I got left. <laughs> All right. So I will start with Red Hood and the Outlaws, number fifty one. This was written by. Sean Martin Bro with pencils by Tony Akins um, and colors by Paul Mounts. So I picked this up, as I mentioned last week, because it's the first issue of Red Hood that hasn't had Scott Lobdell's name on it in quite some time. And just initial thoughts, it was cool. It was actually really cool. Uh, Jason comes back to Gotham. And he goes back to this old apartment that he bought up a long time ago in this part of Gotham called The Hill. And it's become this like up and coming, really nice neighborhood, uh, you know, booming economy and all that sort of stuff. He goes inside his <laughs> crummy apartment that hasn't been, uh, you know, refurbished like the rest of the hill and, uh, and meets the old friend that's been watching over the place for him. And she's like, you look like you've been through a lot. So, you know, let's go out and have a good time tonight. Meanwhile, we kind of get a glimpse of some of the other characters. Um, and there's this guy who owns like a fashion line and a shoe line who is making like shoes and clothes based off of Batman's villains and like making a killing off of it. And you kind of get this hint that his partner is going to try to take over, basically. So um, it's funny because they, they call the guy uh, White Kanye, <laughs> which just made me laugh. Um, but anyway, White Kanye uh, had this idea for this Killer Croc shoe line and... Uh, and his, his partner didn't like it. So, uh, so Kanye decides to basically have Killer Croc busted out of Arkham. And 
hires him to be his personal bodyguard, which is pretty neat if you've got the, the money and the resources to do that, if you're a villain. Uh, but anyway, so Jason is just out, like, making new friends and just kind of getting back to normal a little bit. And most of the issue is setting up these new bad guys, which I thought was pretty cool. They've got uh, some pretty nasty new tech. It, it was a lot like uh, kind of like heat waves, guns. Um, these new street level uh, baddies have access to tech like that. And um, yeah, so Jason catches wind of that and is trying to get some info on it. Meanwhile, he runs into sort of like a neighborhood watch, but with like D-level uh, vigilantes that are just like trying to protect their own property here in the hill. But uh, the issue ends with Kanye and Killer Croc, who waltzes in with this new suit and holding um, <laughs> the bouncer just with one hand and drags him through the door. And uh, Kanye says, the name is Tommy, Tommy Max. And now I'm going to show you idiots how it's done. Meaning they shouldn't have double-crossed him in the first place. And he's going to be the guy that takes over the hill. So, next issue, Hell Breaks Loose in the Hill. I'm really looking forward to it. It should be just some pretty cool, like, Red Hood versus Killer Croc coming up in the future. But the art was neat. Uh, the story was cool. Jason wasn't intolerable in the slightest, which is pretty nice. Uh, and yeah, I, if you like Red Hood and don't like Scott Liddell, or if you want like a jumping on point for a new book or a new character, definitely suggest this. It's cool. I want to give it an 8 out of 10. So I have to ask, because you did like Red Hood and the Outlaws when Scott Liddell was on it for like brief bit how like for those bits that you really really liked were they better than this first issue you know this new jumping on point issue or was it about the same or not as good no i mean i think i think really my love for kenneth rockefort's art is what <laughs> blinded me into saying i liked red hood when scala dell was on it i got you man okay it i mean if you if you have Kenneth drawing Red Hood, Arsenal, and Starfire, like, kicking the crap out of League of Assassin Ninjas, it's going to be cool, right? Yeah. So, you know, that's the stuff that I liked. But this was actually, like, decent art on top of good storytelling and, like, neat world building. It kind of feels like when, when Dick went off to Bloodhaven to be Nightwing, it kind of feels like that where where Jason is in this part of town called the Hill and he's going to have to, you know, kind of be the guardian. So right I really hope that it, that it's kind of street level for a little bit, you know, because yeah. sometimes they, they put Jason in circumstances that he really shouldn't be in, but I sure thought it was cool. And I'm definitely looking forward to the next one. Nice dude. I'm glad, I'm glad you enjoyed it. So yeah. I just counted. I have 10 comics left, so I'll just do, two in between everyone and we'll you know make it up that yeah. way 
So next Sounds one good. is Batman Superman, and this is by Josh Williamson and Max Rayner on the art. And so this is just kind of like the, the wrap-up of last issue. So you have Batwoman, Steel, Batman, and Superman all on the moon, fighting a bunch of like these brainiac robots that are like based off of different Superman villains and Batman villains. And so they're doing that. They're trying to figure out how to stop them. There's a composite Superman robot that's on in Metropolis. And so they're, you know, Superman shows up to try to fight him, but he doesn't really want to hurt him. They talk. And then Batman goes inside one of the Brainiac's heads and he works with them and they end up, you know, beating them, saving the day. And it, it was pretty good. Like, it's just, you have, like, Joshua Williamson, like, it's clear to me anyway that he does get Superman and Batman. And I don't really know enough about Batwoman. His steel seemed a little off, I'm not going to lie. But he got those two, he gets those two characters well enough that, you know, this story, like, there are certain things about it, like the fact that Batman was trying to make a, a, a another computer that was going to, you know, figure out, you know, how to stop crime before it happens and all that type of stuff. And it's like Superman calls him out on it. He's like, you do this all the time. But they're like, this time it's different, though, because we're putting ourselves in it, too. And I, I like that because that's like a new spin on it. Doesn't normally do that because he's normally like, oh, our human sides are what makes us worse. You know, when it comes to this stuff, we need something that's calculating. That never works. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I actually really like this. Um, this would be about an eight for me. Like, this is a really fun book. I mean, that's how Batman Superman books always are. They're either fun or they're not fun at all, but there's nothing really kind of like keeping it to the main continuity. And you kind of just go into, go into it with that in mind, but you just have to have fun with it. And that's what I get from that book. And then next is The Maestro number 4 by Peter David and German Peralta. And so this is a lot of fun. It's like it picks up right where the last one left off. Hulk uh, is doing, you know, some bad stuff. Hercules being the best hero is, you know, stopping him. And that's like the one thing that's kind of annoying in this book. Like, I love Hercules, but... Peter David has written him so overpowered. It's ridiculous. Like, I know Banner <laughs> Hulk isn't as strong as, like, regular Hulk, but, like, there's a part where Hercules, like, throws him up in the air, grabs him by the big toe, and smashes him on the ground back and forth via the big toe. And <laughs> Like, he just beats the crap out of Hulk. It's pretty hilarious. And then, like, the way that... Um, I'm just going to spoil it, because, like... If you know anything about the Maestro stuff, you know Hulk is he, you know, turns evil and he's gonna take over the earth and all that stuff. So you know that Hercules isn't gonna be Maestro forever and he finds a way to like the way Bruce finds a way to kill Hercules. I it's hard for me to buy that it would work because it's a um there's this character that, you know, I don't even know who the person really is, but they're a she went by the code name Vapor, and she was a UFO. You know what that? Do you know that at all? No, I don't. All right, but she turned into this um, this gas, and uh, it was arse, arson, main ingredient of arsenic, and she went to his lungs and killed him. And it's like, if there's a character that could do that, that can just become a gas and go into the, you know his lungs and kill him. It would have happened already. Like, if that's something that could have worked, 
that just would have happened already. So, like, that one was kind of annoying. That was just kind of weird. It's like, he overpowered him and then, like, made him lower power at the same time. It's a weird, I don't know how Peter David did it, but he found a way. But (laughs) I still really enjoyed it. Like, it's still a lot of fun. And it's neat seeing, you know, like, a more, like, Bruce kind of, like, slowly becoming more and more evil. So, yeah, I liked it. This would be another eight for me. It wasn't anything, like, I'd write home about. If it was just a, you know, full book of Hercules just beating up Hulk and then beating up Thor and then beating up Hulk again, it would be a 10. <laughs> but since we didn't get that, we, you know, it gets an 8. Right, since that can't happen, you know. I mean, <laughs> I beg to differ. <laughs> All right, well, before we get into that argument again, I will move on. Um, next, I will do Werewolf by Night number 2. This was written by Taboo and Benjamin Earl, with art by Scott Eaton. Um, yeah, so this picks up right where issue one left off. Um, Jake has to fight these three other creatures that were, you know, the result of the experimentations done by that pharmaceutical company. And he does pretty well. Um, what I thought was cool is that the more that he's fighting these three creatures and like getting amped up, the more that, or the less that, uh, that the, the music that he's listening to is helping him keep control of his rage. So, you know, just going toe to toe with these three monsters that are equally as strong as him, the music just kind of fades and all he hears is like the, this ringing in his ears while he goes totally primal and and starts fighting these guys. And that made for some pretty cool uh, panels, and for several pages, actually. Um, but anyway, while fighting the, like, cyborg werewolf part of the, the creature group, they the, the cyber werewolf knocks him off this cliff, and they lose sight of him. And... It, it cuts to Jake uh, recovering from his wounds because obviously he got the crap beat out of him fighting three creatures to his one. Um, but he's like sleeping off his wounds um, and he mentions that he can regenerate thanks to the werewolf uh, powers, I guess you'd call it. But uh, anyway, his friends or his friend Molly and his grandmother are at the police station you know, just saying that Jake went missing. So Officer Red Wolf, which I think is super cool because I like that character, um, and Red Wolf's partner go out to, to do some investigating and try and find Jake. And they're also on the trail of this pharmaceutical company too. So I'm hoping that that leads to some cool Werewolf by Night, Red Wolf team up sometime during this arc or I'll be really disappointed. Um but anyway, we get some like origin story stuff about Jake not fitting in uh, in school and getting picked on for being Native American and how his dad, who also had the werewolf, just never learned to control his powers and it got him into a lot of trouble and he eventually went to jail. Uh, and then his mom caught some sort of sickness and died when he was very young. So... 
he just has like a lot of stuff that he has to work on in order to to keep his anger and his powers under control. And then towards the end of the issue, um, Red Wolf and his partner, whose name I just couldn't tell you if my life depended on it, um, end up finding Jake where he was like recovering from his wounds. And Jake thinks that they are part of the, the pharmaceutical company. So he runs away from them. Uh, but they catch up and he's like, you're not going to take me alive and turns into a werewolf. And then, you know, then it's like next showdown. So, you know, they probably won't fight because I'm, you know, how comic books are. Yeah. They'll, they'll soon learn that they're on the same side for sure. But, uh, but it's still a really cool book. Like I said, during the first issue, I was not expecting to like this as much as I have, but, uh, I like werewolves and the characters are fun and, you know, everybody can relate to getting picked on in, in school at one point or another. So all that mixed with, uh, with Red Wolf, who I think is really neat, just made for a cool issue. So, um, I will give it like a solid seven and a half. I just still can't believe that you're enjoying a book written by Taboo. Like that's so surprising <laughs> you know? to me. <laughs> I know. I don't know how much is taboo and how much is, you know, Benjamin Earl, but either way, even if he's just the idea, man, it's a, it's a neat idea. I like it. I mean, I'm glad you're enjoying it, man. Yeah. Okay. So my next book is the Kaiju score. Excuse me. And this is by James Patrick and Rem Brew. And so this book is like, it's basically just the setup for, a, you know, a big heist. So it kind of goes through all the different members that are going to be on the team. Now, like the guy that actually is setting up the heist, he comes up with, he can come up with great heists. Like that's his, that's his thing. Like he has these great ideas. The main problem is he doesn't see the big picture and they kind of go into more detail on that. But he has this heist idea because there's a bunch of fish that are migrating towards Florida and these fish are the main food source for kaiju and because in this world kaiju are just a normal thing they're like a national you know national disaster so that are natural not national gosh I'm stupid but um so they're like a, just a natural disaster and they just prepare the same way you would for hurricane and these you know kaiju are going to eat these fish that was the you know that's that's the whole thought there and so he get he gets this team of people and they all like there's a safe cracker, but her story is like we don't know all that's going on with her. There's something something crazy going on that I'm not gonna spoil. And then you have this guy that's got terrible luck, and then you have the muscle, and that's the team. So it's not the most uh, not the not the best team that you know to to do this. It's gonna be interesting to see how it goes. The one thing is like the kaiju that's coming that's supposed to be coming to town. It's not like a, it's just going to be kind of walking. Like as long as nothing major happens, like where people shoot at it or anything, it won't attack. So that's going to be good on them, but we'll see if they can do it. I'm really enjoying, like I was pretty stoked about this book when, you know, when it came out and when it got announced and all that stuff. And I really, really like it. So yeah, I would, I'd give this a nine. Like I, I'm really excited for the next issue. I'm hooked. I'm pumped for the movie when it comes out even. So 
yeah, and then the next one would be Shang Shi number three, and this is by Jean Luen Yang, uh, Dyke Ruin, Philip Tan, and Sebastian Shang. And so yeah, this picks up with the last book. You know, it kind of goes like some of the history of different stuff with these different people, shows some of the stuff Shang's dad did and all that stuff, and then he's training with his brother and sister. And he's still, like, bleeding out stars and stuff. And, all you know, he's kind of seeing, like, this... He's seeing... He's still seeing weird stuff. And his sister, the sister of the hammer, is in a museum. And she's trying to figure out, like, about this urn thing. And they they all fight them and all this stuff. There was stuff. There's fun kung fu fights. And, yeah, lots of, lots of cool stuff. I, I'm really liking this book. It's exactly what you like I've said before it's exactly what you want from a Shang-Chi book it's not like it's nothing you know it's nothing like that's overly like oh man this is a really heady book it's just exactly what you want it to be really cool art really cool fights cool Chinese stuff it's just a just good I give this an eight all right uh, next, I will talk about Death Metal, The Multiverse Who Laughs. This was another collection of short stories based on the death metal characters. So we've got uh, Zaz in Feeding the Beast, and that's written by Patton Oswalt with art by Sanford Green. And there was also and i'm i'm listing off the creative team now because i can't reference the pages super easy today next we've got the super pets in the super threats by amanda connor and jimmy palmiotti with art by chad harden there's green arrow and green lantern in hard traveled by saladin ahmed with art by scott eaton and then steel in the fear index by brandon thomas with art by thomas mandrake and uh, the start of this is just Robin King sitting on a pile of dead Batman. Basically, he's telling all these stories to his groblins. Um, so, yeah. Overall, these stories were okay. Um, the worst was the first one by Patton Oswalt. It wasn't very good at all, so I'm glad that they started with that one. That's um, the reason why I didn't buy it. <laughs> yeah. It's it's just about Victor Zaz. Uh, he goes to Arkham. And he's trying to convince the, uh, the guy that runs it, whose name is uh, Gottlieb. I guess that's how you pronounce it. Um, just trying to convince him that he is like a really nasty villain compared to the other guys he's in with, which are like Kite Man, uh, Calendar Man, and Maxi Zeus. And he's like, "I, you guys need to do all these experiments that I've heard that you do on me. Like, transform me into one of these monsters. Um, but then Gottlieb doesn't. He chooses Kite Man, and Zaz gets mad. And then Gottlieb pulls a gun on him and shoots him. And yeah, then at the end we see that those other villains that I mentioned before 
were all turned into monsters and Zaz was the only one that was not. Hmm. I don't really get the point of the book or the, the story. Like it had no tie at all to anything going on in death metal. So I don't, I don't understand the point of it. Yeah. But anyway, the next one was pretty fun. This was the super pets one by Connor and Palmiotti. Um, crypto is flying through space and he sees earth and he's like wait a second why does earth have a ring around it and he gets closer and the ring around earth is actually just a bunch of dead bodies out in space (laughs) yeah pretty morbid stuff but anyway he gets to the hall of justice and finds the rest of his super pets friends and they explain that uh that this nasty virus uh, took over everybody on Earth. And it all started with the uh, the Legion of Doom's 23rd deadliest member, Red Medvo, who is just this, like, uh, communist werewolf bad guy, I guess, that the super pets fight, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, but anyway, Red Medvo brings this this nasty virus and just infects uh, the rest of the super pets other than um, gosh, I'm blanking on his name. He is, uh, he's the little chimpanzee that wears the Superman suit. Oh, I don't know. Oh man. Anyway. uh, So the chimpanzee, does not get infected, but every all the other members do, and they go out and start infecting other animals, which then spreads to the people, and pretty soon, everybody on Earth is dead or zombified and, like, killing each other. So uh, Super Chimp, like, manages to get a sample of the virus somehow, I guess off the bodies, and makes uh, an antiviral, which he then gives to the rest of the Super Pets, and uh, they all calm down, and that's how they're all back at the Hall of Justice telling all of this to Crypto right now. Oh, his name is Beppo. Oh, okay. So, um, anyway, Beppo finishes his story to Crypto, and then all the other members are like, ooh, is anyone else feeling warm? And then the cat, like the, the super cat, streaky i think is like yeah i'm feeling hungry like really hungry and ace is like yeah i could just kill somebody and it turns out that beppo's yeah i know right (laughs) it turns out that beppo's antiviral wasn't permanent because he didn't really get to test it on anybody so uh the, the last panel is all the super pets just lunging at Crypto and Beppo, and that's how it ends. So it was pretty neat just to be like, you know, what what happened on regular Earth during all this? And <laughs> it all involved the super pets, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. But that's what you come to expect from Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti, right? Like that they excel at that kind of stuff. So that was that was a fun story. Next is like legitimately a two or three page story about Green Arrow and uh, Green Lantern. It wasn't really long enough for me to be like, it was really good or really bad. Um, Green Arrow is just trying to get some kids 
these two, like this brother and sister to safety in this town where basically John Stewart, um, has parallax or something in him and Hal is one of his like officers. So Hal shows up and, you know, he's like, you guys are wrong. We're trying to keep everybody safe here. Even if it means kind of enslaving everybody. And as you can imagine, Ollie is like, how could you say that? You're like the most stand up guy. I know. I can't believe you're doing this. And, um, Ollie's like, I've got one trick left in my bag, a yellow cedar arrow. So I guess the color yellow is still a weakness in this particular universe. And he draws his arrow. And the last panel is him releasing the arrow as Hal is like flying towards him with his, you know, lantern fist forming a construct and they're about to clash. So really nothing happens. It's just a few pages of filler, Uh, but the art's real good. Yeah, first and then when he the first last mentioned one, that there was mm-hmm. gonna be a Green Lantern, Green Arrow story, I was like, maybe I'm gonna, maybe I missed something not getting this, but no, that's yeah, that's really I stupid. I wish I could say that you were, but yeah, unfortunately, it just wasn't very good. And then the last one is a story about Steel, uh, called the Fear Index, and the gist is Metropolis is just full of fear toxin. And everybody's walking around with like a ventilator mask on. And this guy's walking out there and gets uh, ambushed by this other group of guys who like take off his mask and he starts hallucinating and he starts to see like Bane and um, the John Paul Valley Batman, like the Nightmare Batman and some other crazy stuff. And Steel shows up and knocks out the the other guys and gives the guy back his mask and the guy blacks out and he wakes up inside the ironworks with steel and steel explains that uh that the reason he isn't affected is because certain people are like it's in their dna that their family has gone through generations of hardships and that allows them to just build up an immunity to certain things, I guess is how they explained it. And anyway, the guy's like, what was your name again? He's like, Oh, my name's John Paul Valley. Hmm. Um, and then he's like, can you teach me how to resist stuff like that and just become a harder, you know, tougher person? And Steel's like, yeah, I can do that. Um, but they keep saying that the index is stuck at eight. And I don't, you know, I never really find out what that means. But he's, the, the story ends with Index saying, or Steel saying, yeah, I, I can teach you, but the Index is stuck at eight and there's always more work to do. And then it ends. So I don't know if he's going to, like, train John Paul to, like, help him fight crime here or what. But, yeah, it, it wasn't great. Basically, the, the only one I really cared for was the Super Pets one. Yeah. I was hopeful for Green Lantern and Green Arrow, and I was hopeful for Steel because I like all those characters. But, um, but really, Casey, you made a good call by not picking the nut this up <laughs> because unlike all the others, which are pretty integral to the story, this was not yeah, by doesn't, doesn't any like means. It. So, 
hopefully uh, other people like it more than I did. Cause like who wants to spend seven bucks on a book and then hate it. But yeah. you know, it is what it is. They're not all going to be winners. <laughs> For sure, man. But speaking of something that is a winner, justice league dark number 28 came out and this is by, I'm going to get, get all the names up. It is Ram V and then Amana K Malupan. And as always, this art is insane. You have, just, this is the end of the Upside Down Man. Like, this is kind of like the way this fight ends and all this crazy stuff happens. Like, in our earlier issues, John Constantine died, so they, you know, they deal with that. Then it kind of, like, halfway through the issue, it kind of cuts to Khalid talking to Detective Chimp at the bar. And so they are discussing, you know, because Khalid doesn't remember anything that happened after he lost the helmet. And so, like, they kind of talk about, he, you know, tells them everything else. And it's revealed Swamp Thing could still be alive. And then you see Zatara briefly, and he does something, you know, very nice for his daughter. And then it's also revealed that Khalid can't, you know, is not able to hear Naboo's voice anymore within the helmet. After what Kent did, you know, after Kent shot that big, big blast, and then with the... Naboo, so it's like, I'm kind of thinking, if I was a betting man, that Naboo, like, Khalid's gonna end up having Naboo and Kent in his head, you know, as when he's Dr. Fate from here on out, like, once he gets that connection back, I have a feeling it's gonna be both of them now. I think that just seems too obvious not to do it, but it, <laughs> it kind of ends with, like, a build-up to Endless Winter, and this series is just pretty fantastic. I love these characters. I... Yeah, it's just really great. Uh, I'd give this a 9 out of 10 for sure. So that that is the last issue then, right? I mean, it really felt like it. If I'm being honest, like it says like, oh, stuff's continued in Endless Winter. I think we're going to know more after, you know, Endless Winter and uh, Future State happens. I'll probably bring it back. But as far as I know, I think this is the last issue. Yeah. And then... The Flash, 766, and this is by Kevin Shinek and Will Conrad. And so, yeah, it just kind of picks up with the last one left off where he's dealing with um, Dr. Alchemy and fighting him. And, like, when Dr. Alchemy made the the stone thing and he is now being, like, possessed by all the different, you know, people that tried to make the Philosopher's Stone throughout time. And this is cool. You know, like, Barry makes his own Philosopher's Stone, and it's like, I have a feeling I would like this a lot more if I knew more about um, science, because there's a lot of stuff where it's like, oh, I'm turning the atoms into this by doing this and doing this, and, like, you know, doing, you know, that type of stuff where it's like, (laughs) boy, this seems very smart, and I am not. So that's like a downside to it. But really, I, I really like this book too. Like it was another one of those ones where it's just really good. And it's really refreshing seeing Barry fight Dr. Alchemy and not another speedster. And so for that alone, that gets a thumbs up and yeah, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to give that, uh, I'm gonna go with another eight out of 10 for that one. Nice. All right. Back to me. Mm hmm. 
All right, so next I've got Batman Beyond, number 49. That is written by Dan Jurgens with pencils by Paul Pelletier and colors by Chris Sotomayor. Um, and yeah, so this is picking up with the Booster Gold's like crossover thing that they were doing. And, you know, it was a fine issue. It was a pretty quick read. Basically, the the day is saved, you know, spoilers. Um, it, it's really just a big full circle thing where Terry was like, you know, I can't believe I'm seeing my dad here. You know, I lost him 10 years ago and, you know, that was the worst day of my life. And he taught me to be the good person that I am today. So this little time that Terry has with his child dad is just him trying to say, you know, always do the right thing. You know, you're, you're, you're going to improve somebody's life basically. So, uh, but it was, it was neat. Um, and then at the end, you kind of find out that, that Bruce had this worked up the whole time with future booster gold. And, you know, like with any time travel stuff, you're kind of like left scratching your head thinking what, what, but it wasn't it wasn't super bad in this one, but the the quick gist is that Terry needed all of this to happen for him to become Batman in one way or another. So future Booster Gold had past Booster Gold take Terry in the past to do this thing so that he would eventually become Batman and Batman lives on, you know, long after Bruce is done being Batman. So uh, but it was fun. You still get funny Booster Gold and Skeets lines, especially when he's interacting with past uh, Bruce Batman. And then, you know, Terry gets some wholesome time with his father, even though his father is just a child. And then you come back and, you know, old Bruce is fine and not really crazy. And Terry's brother isn't dead. And... Yeah, I kind of thought that this issue was going to be the last, but it says next, Ink Stain, and Ink is spelled like the Batman Beyond villain Ink. So I don't know if it's just going to be like a one-shot to tie it up at 50 or what, but yeah. Uh, but anyway, it was still a cool story. I like, you know, especially seeing uh, future Booster Gold. He's got like a mustache and goatee, which is funny. Like that's how they, that's how they make him older. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it was still a really fun arc. Any, anything with booster gold, I'm going to give it a read. So, uh, I give it a seven out of 10. It was solid. Right on, man. So my next one is scumbag by number, uh, number two by Rick Remender <laughs> and, uh, Andrew Robinson on the art. And so this one kind of picks up where the last one left off. He, the main character, goes back into the bar and he tells him about the drugs that, you know, that his, he tells his drug dealer about the drugs he took. And the guy's like telling him, he's like, no, that was a hot shot. I was trying to kill you. I put rat poison in it. I don't know how you're still alive. And then <laughs> the, the government lady, like, she show, comes in with this brief, you know, briefcase to get him to actually come and work for him. And it's just full of drugs. And so then she starts driving and like it go cuts to this government, you know, the Senator talking to these people and they're trying to convince them to do this thing. And then they end up just, uh, like 
doing this brain thing where it swaps his brain out and doing all this this stuff. And it's like this group called Scorpion, and they're kind of like Cobra from G.I. Joe, but instead of being, um, like, terrorists. I mean, I think they're, they'd still be considered terrorists, but they're very much like the Twitter-type people that are, like, the alt-right Twitter people where they call people cucks and soy boys and all that stuff. That's who this group is. So that was pretty funny. And then, like, there's a part when the guy's, like, running, and he gets, you know, the, one of the Scorpion guys has a gun on him, and then he's like, wait, what's this? And it says Scorpions, like the band. And he's like, he's like, I love that. I love the Scorps, brother. And he's like, why don't you say so? I almost shot you. And so then he takes up and he's like, he's like, well, you almost missed the big show. He's like, a Scorps show here already started. It was on my way. Well, rock me like a hurricane. And then like they get there and it's just like <laughs> the head of the Scorpion organization doing this big talk in front of a flag and stuff. And he's like, what? The Scorpions have changed so much since I, I last saw them. And, you know, like that was, it was really funny. It's an enjoyable book. It's really silly. Uh, I'd give this one a nine out of 10. It wasn't as good as the first one. The first one like had me hooked from the start. This one is kind of like, it was just a little too goofy at times, but I still really liked it. Yeah. And then the nail biter returns number seven. And this is by Joshua Williamson and Mike Henderson on the art. And it starts with them and like, Nailbiter and, you know, the, his uh, baby mama. They're in high, like it starts with them in high school and they're talking about stuff. And, like, then it, they're looking for Alice and everything, you know, all that. It's really good. Like, if you haven't been reading it, you don't know any of the characters I'm talking about. But they, there's a drug trip and a bunch of other stuff like that. This book is really good. Like, I really need to read the rest of the regular Nailbiter series because there's probably stuff I'm missing, but yeah, this is really, really awesome. And I'm going to give this issue a nine out of 10. All right. Then my final one is the Witcher fading memories. Number one, this was written by Bartos Streborg and art was done by Ahmad Mir. And I picked this up because I love The Witcher a whole bunch. And it's been a while since we've had a Witcher comic book. But man, the art is so good. It's like... I don't want to say that they're like copying Mike Mignola. But it's... You know, Mignola chooses... Or whoever. Dark Horse, whoever. Chooses people to do these stories that have similar art style to Mignola. And this guy's no different, but that's a good thing because that style's awesome. So it's very creepy uh, and, and fits well for The Witcher. But essentially the gist of the story is that, the uh, you know, Geralt is going from town to town looking for Witcher contracts, but there really aren't that many anymore because a lot of the monsters have died off at this point in time. But this guy approaches Geralt in a, in a village and says, Hey, I, I know you're looking for coin. I don't have any monsters for you to kill, but I've got some plain honest work. And, you know, that's got to be better than not having coin. So Geralt goes with him and uh, they go out on the, on the boat. And uh, 
and and back at his little hut that night they're eating some of the fish that they caught and Geralt's like I gotta ask what's up with your hands because the guy's missing uh, some fingers on his hand and the guy tells this neat story uh, like a little mythology story about this pirate who wanted to marry a mermaid but she wouldn't have him so the pirate and his rage started catching mermaids and slitting their throats but not to kill them just to sever their vocal cords so that they couldn't sing and lure anybody to them anymore and then that caused the mermaids to go crazy and any time a fisherman or pirate or whoever was out on the seas all the mermaids would like ambush them and kill them off so people were afraid to go out on the seas and basically this fisherman said that that happened to him and they bit off some of his fingers <laughs> which is pretty creepy but the guy's like uh he's like i'm a lot like you even though you're a witcher and i'm a fisherman we both can't stop doing this thing that we've been doing our whole lives and it's the only time that we feel happy is when I'm catching fish and you're killing monsters. Like, so I totally, I get why you're distant in the way that you are. It's like, but if you ever need like something constant or some new purpose in life, I know fishing isn't much, but you know, we, we can be partners and you can come back here and fish with me anytime. And Geralt's like, you know, I have thought about not being a witcher, but I'm just not ready to give it up yet. And I've just found this job in this other town to fight some monsters. But once I'm done with that, I think I'll finally be at peace or whatever. And I'll come back and I'll help you fish. So Geralt goes to this town and talks to the mayor. And these little creatures called foglets are harassing and like trying to kidnap the boys of the town. So Geralt goes out there and kills off all these foglets and is just having the time of his life doing it. He loves fighting monsters. It's what he's been doing his whole life. And uh, so anyway, he does that, completes the contract. The mayor says, you know, if anything else comes up, I'll reach out to you again so you can come back and help us. Geralt's like, okay. So he goes back to the guy's fishing hut. And he opens up the door, and the guy's actually hung himself. And there's a letter there. And he's like, I know you said that you were going to come back, but, uh, you know, I was just tired of waiting and didn't uh, didn't know if you were actually going to come back. And I can't do it by myself, and life sucks, so <laughs> I'm ending it all. Which was pretty sad, because the guy was likable and all that jazz. But... Uh, Anyway, Geralt is sitting outside of this guy's hut reading his suicide note, and um, the messenger from the mayor of that town comes back, and he's like, Witcher, the foglets are back, and this time they've actually killed a boy, and uh, will you come and help us? And Geralt agrees to it, basically, and then looks up at the sky, and then it says to be continued, so... You know, a lot of Witcher stories are, well, not a lot. Some Witcher stories have really sad, depressing tales like that, like this in them. But it shows 
that even in these fantasy worlds, life sucks for a lot of people and, you know, bad, depressing stuff like this happens. And, uh, and that grounds the series. I think it's not just Geralt's a monster hunter and he always wins and he always gets the girl and all that stuff. It's like you, you see that more often than not that people are the real monsters and, and not the other way around. So I really appreciate that about this book. Um, this issue read exactly like a side quest in one of the games or like one of the, the short stories in uh, Andre Sapkowski's books. So it was cool. The, the writer definitely gets the character and he gets this world of The Witcher. And I liked it a lot. I'm looking forward to the rest of the miniseries. I give it a 10 out of 10. Thanks, man. That's good to hear. So my last two books, uh, first one is Chew by John Lehman and Dan Boltwood on the art. And so this picks up the last one last left off. Tony is going to bring Saffron in because he found out, you know, that she murdered some people and they have like a, you know, gun, a standoff at outside his sister's house. And so his sister comes out with a shotgun. She's like, put down the gun, let her go. You know, that t- and they, they get in a big fight. Saffron accidentally shoots Tony and then they keep fighting, and he ends up getting her. And they take her away. She gets put away for three years, and then she gets out, and Tony and Colby are waiting for her. And, you know, he like he tells her, he's like, I'm watching you. You know, I'm going to keep my eye out, blah, blah, blah. And she's just like, I want you to know, while I was there for three years, I was sitting there eating lunch uh, next to... Sandra Safecapper, Safecracker, Sandy, and Pinella, Donica Don the Con Durian, and a master of disguise and accents. Tahini McNiven was a sharpshooter and firearms expert. Slavetana Asiapkek knew bombs. Elaine Branner could cheat like nobody's business, and on and on. And so, if you don't remember, she's a cybopars. So, when she eats dinner, eats food with next to people, she can gain their knowledge. So now she's like a super master criminal and she's taken off with her kind of dirtbag loser boyfriend. So that was pretty interesting. I'm really excited to see where this goes now. So yeah, I absolutely loved it. I'm giving that a 10 out of 10. And then that's a pretty cool idea for a a bad guy, by the way. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm curious if she's going to have any more interaction with Tony because she was never in Chew. And, like, I really want to read reread regular Chew to, like, see if there's any references to her, see if John Lehman's been playing the long con with this or if it's just been kind of like a new idea he's yeah. had. But, yeah, I'm loving this series. It's great. And then lastly is Daredevil number 24. And this is by Chip Zdarsky and Mike Hawthorne's on the pencils. And... So, yeah, you have Daredevil, you know, Matt's going to go to prison more than likely. Last issue, his brother came in to pose as Matt. And, yeah, he has a brother now. For those that didn't read the Daredevil annual, it's a whole thing. Um, So, yeah, his brother, Mike, is posing as him, you know, next to whatever, uh, Kirsten. And then Tony's all set to buy Hell's Kitchen for Daredevil. And he doesn't get it done. So 
Daredevil's really mad because Daredevil had all, all planned. He was going to take this really nice deal, and then he, he can't because it's, it's been bought out, you know. And so, yeah, all this stuff's going on. While he gets to the courtroom, there's Luke Cage, Captain America, even Elektra's there. And, you know, Fisk shows up. And this is just really good. I'm not going to spoil. Elektra says something that kind of makes him, you know, think a certain way. I'm not going to spoil what she says, but this series is fantastic. Like, this is seriously probably the best comic book out right now. I'm not going to give this a 10. I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it the unprecedented 11 because that's how good this was. I love this series oh so my much. Gosh. That's off the scale. It's like it's it's that in the there's nothing in the rule book that says he can't do it. So I guess the 11 sticks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're liking it though, man. I tell you every time you talk about it it makes me just want to get all the trades and binge like, it. That's the that's the one downside is like they're referen- like this is still referencing stuff that happened in the first Chip Zdarsky issue. So it's like <laughs> if you know, like there's I can't be like, dude, you need to be jumping in right now because you'd be like, what's going on? It doesn't really have a good jumping on yeah. point, but other than that, it is so good. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, that was that was a lot of comics that we just got through, huh? It was. <laughs> Good thing we didn't have and much let's news keep today. It... Oh, I know, right? This this would have taken ages. But we will uh, now talk about which ones we're excited for next week. Um, I'm going to say that absolutely the top of my list is Justice League Endless Winter. I can't wait to see what they do with Viking Prince in this. And it just sounds like too fun. Too much fun. So... I'm going to say that one. Um, I'll be real basic and say Batman because that's a real good book. And then let's see here. Where was it? I just had it. Oh, uh, Thor, obviously. So those are my three. What about you, buddy? Uh, Well, you took Batman from me, uh, you know, and and even Endless Winter. I was actually pretty excited about that. (laughs) <laughs> but I am going to say far sector number nine. I finally got caught up on all of that the other day when like, I think it was, I don't remember when it was, but it was one of the days where the comics hadn't come in. So I was just like, well, I'm going to read something. So I re- got all caught up on far sector. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, daredevil 25. Like I don't get how I'm this lucky that daredevil to, you know, back to back weeks, but that's fantastic. <laughs> and then I'm going to say X factor number five. It's going to be nice to read X factor and it not be, you know, 10 X of swords tie it in at all (laughs) right on all right so i'm i'm foregoing the guess that first appearance because i put all my effort into the would you rather but do you want to do that or the fantastic four first let's do the fantastic four and i'm going to tell you right now uh i for when i wrote that this one out i forgot about thanksgiving was you know this past weekend so I'm going to change up the, the Fantastic Four. We'll save this, you know, the one that we have for next week. And this won't be, this won't be too hard. But uh, since, we had, since Thanksgiving was, you know, Thursday, give me four comic book, like either characters, current series, past series, whatever, that you're just very thankful for that, you know, have come into your life. Oh, 
Okay. You can even do creators if you want, but I mean, it's four. So it's like the, the wider I make it, the more you're like, well, there's more I want to put. So, you know, <laughs> that's true. Um, I'll, I'll do series. Um, I mean, you know, Chuck Dixon and Scott McDaniels Nightwing is going to be on that list. It really, really got me into loving comics and, uh, basically where I'm at in life in the industry. So definitely that one. Um, I will say justice league international because that series really showed that comic books isn't all just, uh, you know, punching bad guys and stuff. It can be really fun and funny at the same time. Um, and then Let's see. Why did you have to broaden it? Because now I do want to add just a <laughs> bunch of other stuff. Darn you, man. Sorry, buddy. Um, that's all right. I'm going to say Matt Wagner's Sandman Mystery Theater because sometimes you just need a gritty crime comic in your life, and that's the best one of them all. And Walt Simonson's Thor... He's, you know, my favorite Marvel character by far. And uh, and Simonson had it all as far as Norse mythology and the character himself and just everything that had to do with, uh, with the Norse gods. So those are my four. What about you? Um, so for me, I'd probably just, first things first, I'd have to just mention Starman by James Robinson. It's probably the greatest comic book series I've ever read. It's really high up there. I, I when I was when I was thinking about this, like as far as things I'd be thankful for in the comic book world, I'd say uh, Comic Vine. I'm actually very thankful for. They were a comic book. I think they're still technically a website, but they aren't near as active as they used to be. And um, the the guy that used to run it, Tony, he would talk a lot about Daredevil and a lot about Shu. And those are two. You know, I wasn't going to read Daredevil. I never really cared about the character, but he'd always talk so highly about this. And even uh, Sarah Lam- uh, Sarah uh, Babs, she'd always talk really highly about Daredevil. So I was like, I'll give it a shot. And I was like, wow, this is really good. And then shortly after that, Mark Wade took over, and I loved that. And it's just been kind of like nonstop Daredevil since then. And then Chu, I just was like, Tony never like stops talking about this when it's going on. He talks about how good it is. I'll give it a go. I'm like, holy crap, this is awesome. So like I have two, you know, like a character that's one of my favorite Marvel characters now because of that and then one of my favorite comics of all time because of that and then i'd go with all-star superman just because it's like i've always loved superman but there's a lot of bad superman out there and that's the best superman just hands down yeah definitely and then the last i would say darwin cook's art because even though he was taken way too soon for all of us like from us like he is still one of the best and I'll just like, if I see something that has his art in it, I'm just going to pick it up and I'm going to buy it. Like, that's just how it is. Like I wish he would have done Marvel <laughs> stuff because like, I think he only did one Marvel story his whole time. Like he's, he was a great writer too. So I should say his writing too, because his writing is fantastic. Right. Like, man, he could have done some, some great Marvel characters with his style, but yeah, that's that probably be the ones I think I'm most thankful for. I've thought, oh, man, especially Daredevil, right? Oh, yeah. 
But anyway. I mean, dude, think about him doing the Fantastic Four. Like, they are, they're characters that work really well with the old school style, too. And Yeah. Whew. Yeah, without a doubt. All right. Now for the Would You Rather. So, Casey, would you rather be a telepath or... And I wasn't really sure how to how to say this, so I'm putting this in quotes. Aquaman powers. Just uh, you know, the breathing underwater, the communicating with the wildlife, all like that whole aquatic sort of thing. Okay. So does the telepathy like ever turn off? Like is it or is it like just a constant barrage of people, you know, thinking things at me? You cannot turn it off, but you hear all the thoughts as like a low whisper. Oh, okay. I was hoping you were going to say like, you only hear people's bad thoughts about you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Does the Aquaman powers like, am I still forced to live in Shelbyville? So I have to like live by the lake and swim in Lake Shelbyville all the time. (laughs) Uh, No, you're not. You're not secluded to Shelbyville. Okay. Am I a good, am I like a really good swimmer as the Aquaman powers? Yes. Okay, I didn't know if, like, because I'm not the best swimmer right now, so that's pretty nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, and we'll call that time. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Aquaman powers. Okay. So here here are the caveats. All right. You can breathe underwater, but you have gills. You now have gills in your neck. But I can, like, would I still be able to breathe above water? Yes. Okay, I'll swear turtleneck. Most of the heat comes and, out of your neck anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you can only talk to fish. Oh, dang. Oh, well. <laughs> so, you know, a neat power, but, uh, but hopefully the fish have a lot to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. So, I'll do our closing plugs. Folks, if you would please, go to facebook.com slash twoworldspodcast and click that little like button up there in the top corner. You can also find us on Twitter at two underscore worlds underscore PC and on Instagram at twoworldspod. You can email us at twoworldspodcast at gmail.com and please like and review us five stars wherever you're listening to this. Oh, and be on the lookout later this week. We're going to have a little special episode uh, for you guys. So something to look forward to as well. Now, we'd love to stay in chat, but uh, Casey has to go give me an eight-armed hug. So we'll talk to you later. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.